I wonder, you know, which verses of scripture, there are favourites, but which verses of scripture are the most popular or the most well-known? Uh, and, uh, yeah? John 3.16, that's the one that I opted for. I would say that probably John 3.16, um, with maybe Psalm 23 as a chapter, or maybe even the Lord's Prayer being close second or third, because we, we grew up with these things in school, weren't we? Especially saying the Lord's Prayer or singing the crimen, the Lord's my shepherd, I'll not want, and getting acquainted with it. But um, So I've decided for this evening, because I was thinking about different verses and things like that, and I've gone to John 3.16, and I don't know that I've very, preached from this verse very often, and yet it's such an important verse containing the good news of the gospel. And uh, so I just want to read it in its context, going from John chapter 3, and I'll go from verse 9 right through to verse 18, the end of verse 18. We know that it follows on from the story of Nicodemus meeting with Jesus and being told that you need to be born again to enter the kingdom of God. And from verse 9 it says, Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen. But you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. <coughs> and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him whoever believes in him is not condemned but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God and just in reading those few verses there's sufficient there for us to understand something about the love of God and the importance of believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. And verse 16 itself uh, contains um, facts, statements that are facts. First of all, for God so loved the world. That's a fact. It's a statement, but it's a fact. God so loved the world. Secondly, he gave his only son. Thirdly, whoever believes in him should not or will not perish. But then perhaps, uh, then whoever believes in him will have eternal life. But then the saddest one is that if you don't believe, you're going to perish. It's all summed up in that verse. Believe, have life. Fail to believe, perish. And so there's no doubt <coughs> that the message of John 3.16 is the best news that can be heard today. For surely, who would want to reject such an incredible opportunity to be able to receive or to have 
eternal life. And yet the sad fact is there are more rejected than there are that accept it. And Jesus said that broad is the road and that's the road that leads to perishing. But narrow is the road that leads to life and few there are that find it. And tonight we're glad, aren't we, that we found that narrow road. We've entered through the gate and we're on the narrow road that leads to life everlasting. But as we look at this verse, there are four things I want to consider. The first one, and this isn't new stuff, probably heard it before, but it's good for us to go over it again. First one is the universal love of God. The second one is the uniqueness of the love of God. The third one is the unequivocal evidence of the love of God. And then the last one is the urgency in responding to the love of God. So the universal love of God. For God so loved the world. And we know that the word world there isn't talking about the globe as such. But it's talking about those who inhabit the world. Mankind. People. And this first point to me is so important when we look at John 3.16. For I believe with all my heart. That what is stated in this first line means exactly what it says. What is written on the can, as we say. That's it. For God so loved the world. He loves everyone. His love is available for everyone. Whatever their colour, whatever their race, whatever their status. And despite whatever anyone has ever done, God loves the world. Scripture is clear that we are all sinners. We've all turned our own way and yet God still loves every single one of us. He loves the smartest dressed right down to the scruffiest. He loves the ones that seem to be the most upright and he loves the ones who we may be considered as the vilest of sinners. He loved the world. No one as far as I'm concerned from this verse, no one, absolutely no one, is excluded from his love. And because I believe that that's what the word of God is saying, I cannot, in all honesty, accept the theology of those who say that God only loves a select few. The rest have no hope, no chance. They are doomed to hell regardless how much they may hear about the love of God, they have no chance whatsoever of responding to it. I cannot accept that because that's not the God that I read in the word of God. The God that I read of is a God who loved the world. And it was Jesus who made the statement. And as truth, he always spoke the truth. For God so loved the world. He loved and loves each one of us today. He loved and loved each one of us. Out, each, he, loves, he loved and loves each one that is outside of these doors who as, it, as yet are still in their sins. He loved and loves the whosoever. Secondly, the uniqueness of the love of God because the one just automatically runs into the other. I use the word uniqueness because there is absolutely no doubt that no one can love or has loved in the way that God has loved. 
Our love for one another is so puny in comparison to the love that God has shown to the world. And it's described for us in one of John's epistles, 1 John 4.10. In this is love. That's a statement again, isn't it? In this in love. Well, in what? In what is love? Well, John goes on to say, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. See, we didn't deserve God's love. And yet he loved us. And the more I look at John's gospel and of John's epistles, he must have had an incredible revelation concerning what the love of God really was all about because he pens so much about it. So God loved and loves those who do not love him. Surely there cannot be a more powerful demonstration of love than this. We were all sinners. We were all depraved. We were all deserving of hell. We all deserved absolutely nothing. And yet, God loved us. God's love is unique because of its universal reach. For God so loved the world that whoever. It is unique because of its eternal consequences. It is unique because God not only loved and loves, but he himself is love. And the love that comes from God is love that is the very nature of who he is in himself. And again from John's epistles, he says, God is love. It is unique because there is no other love that can be compared that is remotely like the love of God. And it is unique because in being the very best, it is demonstrated towards those of us who were the very worst. Isn't that wonderful? That's the love of God. The best love is demonstrated to us who were the very worst. And then the unequivocal love of God. As you can see, I difficulty saying that word. Unequivocal love of God. As we read the Gospels, we are left without any doubt whatsoever concerning the love of God and that he loved the world, that he loved the sinner and that he loved fallen humanity. For at the end of the day, and it links in with what I shared with a little bit on Friday evening, why on earth, we stop to think of it this way, why on earth would anyone suffer from someone else who was unworthy? Why on earth would anyone die for someone else who was unworthy? And why on earth would anyone bear the punishment for the crimes of someone else? Why on earth? Why on earth? Well, the answer lies within our text. Because God loved them. Because God loved them. And in sending his son, he was willing to suffer for them. He was willing to die for them. And he was willing to bear the punishment for them. And so yes, the suffering of Christ upon the cross is unequivocal evidence of the incredible love of God. Jesus himself said, greater love is no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And yet the truth is that Jesus laid down his life for us, even when we weren't his friends. We were far away from being his friends, 
Yet such was his love, so great was his love, he laid down his life for each one of us. And in the words of the song, you might remember that I put together, I sang at home and put in the video. Unworthy am I of the grace that he gave, unworthy to hold to his hand, amazed that a king should reach down to a slave. This love I cannot understand. Unworthy, unworthy, a beggar in bondage and alone. But he made me worthy. And now by his grace, his mercy has made me his own. Unworthy. Yes, I was the vile sinner, yet he loved me. And each one of us can say the same this evening. And so the message of the cross clearly displays or portrays or spells out the unequivocal love of God. There's another song that goes like this. In letters of crimson, God wrote his love on the hillside so long, long ago. For you and for me, Jesus died and love's greatest story was told. I love you. I love you. That's what Calvary said. I love you. I love you. I love you. Written in red. And in considering even just briefly something of the love of God shown in this simple and yet powerful verse, John 3.16, it leads to the fourth point, the urgency. The urgency in our responding to the love of God. And why is there urgency required for us to respond? Well, the simple answer is found in this verse, so that we will not perish. It's as simple as that so that we will not perish. This same book that tells us of the love of God also tells us the following. We are all sinners, Romans 5.12. The wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23. And the death means more than physical death. It means that if we remain in our sin, it will be we will be eternally lost, spiritually dead, forever in that place called hell. And imagine an eternal hell. Imagine eternal punishment forever separated from God. And just think for a moment. If you or I committed a crime, I trust we won't, but maybe we have done in the past. But if you and I committed a crime and got caught, you or I would do everything we possibly could to get out of any punishment for it. We would get the best defence lawyer we could find. And why? Because we would want him to do everything he could to avoid us being found in jail. And in jail, we would be cut off from all that we enjoy in this life. And as sinners, we've all been caught out. Every single one of us, we've all been caught out. God has placed his verdict. And yet the wonderful thing is, because of his love for us, he's also at the same time provided a defence lawyer who can get us out of trouble and stop us from facing eternal punishment in hell. And the lawyer is called Jesus. And he has done the time for our crime at Calvary. And all we have to do is, <clears throat> to, as is found in our text, to believe in him and we will be set free 
from our sin and the punishment for it. And yet men and women, they just walk straight by and ignore it. So that's why God has left us. Because he wants to save us. He wants to redeem us. And he wants to have us present with him through eternity. But the time is urgent. The time is urgent. We've made the choice. But so many outside of here have not yet made that choice to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. And scripture says that today is the day of salvation. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. And again, not one of us is guaranteed tomorrow. Tomorrow may be too late. So today is the day to respond to the good news of the gospel. And so to read the verse again. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And we're found here tonight. Each one of us have come to that place where we responded to the good news of the gospel. We've come to know Jesus as our Lord and Saviour. We knew the urgency of the hour and we responded. But at the same time, each one of us that is here tonight, we have friends, we have family, we have people that we see on a regular basis in the streets where we live or the community where we live, in the places where we may go to work. They're lost. They're heading to a lost eternity. And how will they know? How will they hear? Unless we take up our responsibility. The urgency for each one of us of sharing the good news so that those at this moment who are on the broad road that is leading to destruction may hear the good news that there is one that loves them which with, with a love that is incomparable with any other love that they could ever be faced with. The wonderful love of God who sent his son into the world to save them so that they too will not perish, but will have everlasting life. May God help us, as I've said it a few weeks ago, myself included, to find those opportunities, to warn men and women, to talk to them of the love of God, to help them to understand that God loves them. And he sent his son so that they will not perish, but will have everlasting life. We need to understand, as they need to understand, the urgency of the hour. For them, without Christ, they are lost. For us, the urgency is that we find those opportunities to share the gospel before it is far too late. May God help us, because we've come to know this wonderful God. We've come to know his wonderful love, and worthy as we were, He's found us. We're in the safety of the fold. Let's bring other sheep in. Let's go out. Let's go out. Look for them and draw them in that they too can know the wonderful love of God. Amen. Amen.